Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. I want to help you to live the Christian life. But to live the Christian life, you have to first choose the Christian life. To choose the Christian life, you got to get beyond excuses. So the title of this message this morning and this afternoon is Beware of Excuses. Now, what I hope you will gain out of this, for those of you that are saved, I hope it will uh, reassure you that you have indeed made the right choice by being a Christian because the world is constantly attacking you. And if you're not careful, you know, they may cause some doubt in your mind. Am I doing the right thing? Did I do the right thing? Uh, The other reason that this message is important to you is you will be able to refute excuses that non-believers may throw at you when you try to share the gospel with them. In Acts chapter 26, I want to begin with a Bible story. Bible stories are so relevant to us today. They're not lost in antiquity. They are as relevant today as the day they were written. And you'll see where we're going as we get into this story. This story is about the Apostle Paul. He has been arrested. There are Jews that do not like him. But because Israel is occupied by the Romans, the Jews cannot try him. They bring him to the Roman authorities. And they say, this man is causing problems. We want you Romans to take care of him. So he has to appear before the Roman magistrate. That magistrate is Agrippa. And Paul uses his time in front of Agrippa while he is on trial to give his testimony and to share the gospel with Agrippa. We pick up the story in Acts chapter 26, verse number 1. Here's Paul is on trial, standing before Agrippa. Agrippa's sitting on the throne. Paul's standing there before him. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. He says, I think myself happy, King Agrippa. Because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee, that is Agrippa, to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Wherefore, I beseech thee to hear me patiently. We'll skip down to verse number 12. He begins his testimony. This is what he says happened to him, how he himself became a Christian. Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. Verse number 14. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, that that was his name. It was changed later to Paul. Saul, why persecutest thou me? He hated Christians. He was out to do them in, round them up, have them arrested. And the Lord, this bright light shines on his way to Damascus. He's knocked down to the ground. He hears this voice and he says, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. 
And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Verse number 16. But rise, the voice says, and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I send thee. Now remember, Paul is telling this to Agrippa. Agrippa is sitting there listening to him. Verse number 18. To open their eyes. Now he's starting to preach the gospel. He told about what happened to him. Now he's sharing with him the good news of Christ. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And then he says, verse number 22, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and to great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say shall come. He said, I'm just preaching what's been preached for years, except now it's happened. Jesus, they talked the coming of the Messiah. I'm telling you, he has come. That Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. King Agrippa has been listening to all this, Paul's personal testimony, and then how he can find salvation in Christ. In verses 27 and 28, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, here it is, almost, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. He didn't. He came close. Almost. Agrippa did not choose to become a Christian. And although it's not stated, no doubt in his mind, he had his reason or his excuse. For you see, there is no true reason not to become a Christian. There is no logical reason on the face of the earth as to why anybody would not want to be a Christian. Therefore, it has to be an excuse. It isn't stated here what his excuse was, but no doubt he had one. You know, excuses are are problematic in and of themselves. One person wrote, excuses are nothing more than a reason to fail. And when you use excuses to stay away from accepting Christ as your Savior... You're failing on an eternal point. You're failing on a point that will get you to heaven and keep you out of hell. Excuses can be so lame. I, I read this. I got to share this with you. These, this is a line of excuses that someone gave for breaking up with a, with a boyfriend or girlfriend. And here's how it goes. This person said this. This is how lame excuses are. Okay, I'm breaking up with you because... I just don't have time for a relationship right now. You see, I've got to focus on finding out the truth about Benghazi. Yeah, that's what i got to do, the truth about Plus, Plus, I have a high-maintenance bird that demands a lot of my attention, which makes my other pet jealous. So now 
I need to spend more time with my dog. Besides that, uh, b- besides what month is this? Oh, June, yeah. Well, I have to attend several birthday parties in July and August, so I won't be around to spend any time with you. Uh, I know we discussed going uh, paragliding in July, but if I were ever permanently injured in an accident, I don't think you'd stay with me, so I'm leaving you now before that happens. You saw right through that one, didn't you? Mm. You're so smart. You make me feel so stupid. So I'm breaking up with you because I absolutely hate feeling stupid. (laughs) Excuses. It is a sad thing when you have a burden for someone, you share the gospel with with them, and they start, excuse me, they start making excuses. This morning... And this afternoon, I want to address some of the most common reasons slash excuses people give as to why they don't want to accept Christ as their Savior. I want to demonstrate to you very clearly, I think, this morning and this afternoon, why those excuses are, for lack of a better word, just lame. They don't hold water. Now, if you, don't, if you haven't thought it through, like I have, and the way the church works, you know, you give, and I'm able to focus all week on this. I'm, I was able to think about this all week. And I want to share with you this morning three of the common excuses that people give to you why they don't want to be a Christian. And again, this afternoon, three more. Let's look, beginning this morning, at excuse number one. An excuse that a lot of people will give today, and you will hear this on television as to why people don't want to be Christians, is they say, I don't want to be a part of a church that is morally bankrupt or corrupt. And they will say this, I don't want to join an institution that is morally compromised. And they will give examples. What about the Inquisition? Didn't quote, Christians burn other Christians at the stake? And they would say, you think I want to be a part of that? What's your answer? What what about the, the pedophile clergy? You know, you hear about that in the Catholic Church. What about Jim Jones claimed to be a Christian? What about David Koresh, cult leader that claimed to be a Christian? What about Jim and Tammy Baker? What about Jimmy Swagger? They say, I don't want to be a part of that. They don't distinguish between legitimate Christianity and real Christianity. And that's a real challenge for us. Because a lot of the people that claim the name of Christ aren't Christian. But yet they lump us all into the same category. For example, and I'm not putting down on the Catholic Church, I just want to make a statement of fact here, that they believe entirely different than us. So, so much different that, that you know, if, if they don't believe that you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone and by faith you are saved, then they're not saved at all. So in many cases, they don't believe that. In most cases, they don't believe that. And therefore, it's no wonder that they acted the way they did and burned believers at the cross. But you see, to the unbeliever, they just lump us all in the same category. They don't distinguish between legitimate Christianity and illegitimate Christianity. So how do we answer this? Well, number one, they need to understand that not everyone who claims the name is, in fact, a true believer. 
A lot of people will claim to be Christian when in fact they have no evidence of it in their life whatsoever, yet they will wear the label proudly. And they need to understand that. The people with the, with the excuses need to understand, wait, wait a minute, all those people you're talking about, chances are the vast majority of them aren't even saved. But then that leads us to point number two. Every institution has its bad apples. Every institution has its bad apples. Among the 12 disciples, one of them was described as a devil. I mean, that's just the reality of life. I mean, they're bad doctors, they're bad lawyers, they're bad CPAs, there's bad, you name the profession. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, that, that's a lame, do you, do you not go to a doctor because they're bad doctors? Do you, do you not go to a doctor because some doctors have had their license uh, withdrawn? Do you, know, do you not go to ever use a, an attorney because some attorneys have been disbarred? No, what, what kind of argument is that? Yeah, they're, they're bad. Yeah, there are some Christians that are indeed Christians and they're bad apples. But, you know, that doesn't, you know, think about that before you disregard Christ. And then thirdly and most importantly, don't judge us by us. We're not asking you to come to us. We're not asking you to accept me as your Savior. We're asking you to accept Jesus as your Savior. Look to him. You will find no fault in him. Don't be distracted by the noise. We're not asking you to come to Glenn McMorris, Sharon McMorris, you know, or anybody in our church. We're not asking you to commit to to me. We're not asking you to dedicate your life to me. We're not asking you to accept me as your Savior. Understand what you're saying when you make this excuse. You know, can you say, I reject Christ as my Savior? He is not morally compromised. You will find no fault in him. Your excuse is simply that, an excuse. What does the Bible say? Hebrews 12, verse number 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight, talking about us Christians, and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run the race with uh, patience, the race that is set before us. What does it say? Looking unto Jesus. That'd say looking unto Paul. James, John, any of those guys. Now, we should all work to have a clean testimony, but bottom line, it's about Jesus. That is a lame excuse that I am not going to become a Christian because the church is morally bankrupt. There are answers for that, but bottom line is we're asking you to put your faith into someone who was morally perfect, that you can trust, that you can put your hope, put your faith in. Excuse number two, I don't want to hang around people, some of which can be difficult and even odd. Now, let's just be honest this morning. Some people will say that some of the strangest, in some cases, most difficult people they've ever met are Christians. Now, there wouldn't be any of those in this room this morning. But if you lived any length of time at all and you've been in churches, truth of the matter is you know, in a church assembly, you will have all kinds of folks. And it is true, you will not like every person you meet, and some you may, may really rub you the wrong way. I mean, when God brings us together as a church family, we are a church family of different personalities, different body types, 
different abilities, you know, d- different educational backgrounds, and that's the way it is. Some Christians, I can think during the years that I've known, are rather strange. Some can act, actually embarrass you. Uh, some will rub you the wrong way. Uh, some will be hypocritical. People you know will act one way on Sunday and another way on, on Monday. And excuse makers say, am I expected to hang out with them? Because if I get saved, next thing you're going to want me to do is to be at church, you know, every time the doors are open. And, you know, there's some weird birds I've seen hanging around churches through the years. How do you answer that? Number one, think about this. Every family, every workplace, every social setting will have people that you don't identify with or may rub you the wrong way. But even though weird Uncle Charlie is going to be there, you go to the family reunion anyway. Even though that guy or gal at work rubs you the wrong way, you go to work anyway. What justifies you to stay away from church just because there might be a person there that you have a problem with? What kind of terribly lame excuse is that? You're just deceiving yourself if you think that justifies you not being a part of God's family. Secondly, understand. God may bring you into contact with someone who has issues. Yeah, they have issues so that you might be a blessing and maybe a help to them. Now, there's a novel thought that, yeah, there might be somebody weird at church or somebody that rubs you the wrong way. And you ever give the thought that maybe you recognize that weirdness in them and they're rubbing you the wrong way? God's getting your attention so that you might be a help, a blessing to them? What a novel idea. That works. That makes sense. That's commendable. Or number three, God can use difficult and even odd people to humble you, to teach you patience, to teach you compassion. How else are you going to learn that you are impatient until you're with that person that just tries your patience. And then you realize you have a problem, but you have to come into contact with that person first. And the Lord reveals to you that, hey, they may have their issues, but guess what? We've exposed an issue in you. Your lack of patience, your lack of compassion, your lack of understanding. There's no excuse for becoming a Christian because you simply don't want to hang around people that you may be uncomfortable with. What does the Bible say? Well, let me read a little bit of a lengthy passage here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 12. For as the body is one, talking about the group of believers, we are called a body, the church family is a body. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized in the one body, whether we Jews or Gentiles, differing people, whether we be bond or free, or have been made to drink into one spirit. All these different people God brings together. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? In other words, we need these diversities of people. 
If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it pleaseth him. As it pleaseth him. Different people. He puts there because it pleases him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Oh, yeah, you're strong. You got it together. You're cool. But the feeble person there that's not quite as cool as you are, they are necessary. And they might be there to point out the fact that maybe you are a little too cool. It can be a powerful testimony the lost world, when a group of very divergent people of all kind of different backgrounds, socioeconomic levels and what have you, all different personalities come together in harmony in God's house. That is a powerful witness to the power of Christ in the hearts of people to a lost and dying world. And then number three this morning, last one. Third excuse. I don't want to have to condemn others and come across as an intolerant bigot. So many Christians today, because we take a stand against homosexuality. Now, we love the homosexuals. That doesn't get covered. All, they, they interpret that to mean we hate people. We don't hate anybody. But we do hate sin, and that's labeled as sin. And so people say, I don't want to be a part of it. I want to be accepted by everybody. I don't want to come across as intolerant or bigoted. They say, if my friends hear that I've become a Christian, they'll accuse me of being hyper-judgmental or backwards or narrow-minded. How do, you, how do you answer that? Somebody shares that with you. Number one, when Christians do judge sin, and we are called on to do that, it is because they know it to be harmful to individuals in society. We will judge sin to be sin according to Scripture, not according to my personal preference. Lying is a sin. Immorality is a sin. Fornication is a sin. You know, homosexuality is, is, is a sin, and on and on we could go. But we point that out because we know that people are people groups that give in to that. It, it, it hurts them individually. It hurts that society. We, we see that in the world around us. As our country has drifted from God, and we become more and more immoral, and nobody wants to make a statement. Nobody wants to judge anything. We're all afraid to say anything. Is that having a positive effect on our nation? Is our streets becoming safer at night? Can we more and more let our kids go out and play by themselves? Number two, when sin is exposed, it's with a heart of compassion for the sinner. It's with a heart of compassion. When we talk about people that have sinned, whatever the sin is. It's not finger pointing and you're you're getting what you deserve. No, it's with a broken heart. And number three, we judge because we love and we see every man, woman, and child as created in the image of God, loved by God, but separated from God by sin and in need of the gospel. So understand There are people that will say, no, if I become a Christian, you know, my friends, my family, they're not going to like me because they're going to say I've become judgmental and I've become narrow-minded. 
you know, it, that's a characterization that simply is not true. Now, do we have to judge sin? Yes, but we do it compassionately. Do we have to be discerning? Absolutely. For the sake of, of helping people. I mean, we see what happens with the consequences of sin and how it tears individuals down, how it tears families apart, and how it's a ruinous cancer on a nation. What does the Bible say? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know, we represent a God that loves the world. What does Matthew eleven twenty eight say? Jesus says there, Come unto me, all ye that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Does that sound like somebody that's mean-spirited, that's, that's bigoted? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Does that sound like an intolerant bigot? Again, those three excuses. Number one. I don't want to be a part of a church that is morally bankrupt. Number two, I don't want to hang around people, some of which can be difficult and even odd. Number three, I don't want to have to condemn others and come across as an intolerant bigot. Those are false excuses. It is not a true narrative of what we believe or what we are for. Those excuses, as stated, are really nothing more than lies. And we have the answers for people that try to put us in a box, that try to label us as intolerant, uncaring individuals. That is not the truth. The truth is Christians, true Christians, are the most caring, compassionate, generous group of people on the face of the earth. It is a fact. When disasters happen, like in Florida... Now, in the Puerto Rico and in Texas, do you know where local people tell you the greatest part of their help comes from? It's Christian organizations. Have you ever heard of atheists organizing to go help people? You don't hear it. Folks, we have answers. We have answers. Don't let their excuses shake your foundation. They'll try to chip away at it and chip away at it, and it's my duty to come alongside of you and say, wait a minute, don't listen to them. They're, it is not a rational logic that they are using. When you use rational logic, it always falls in the Christian's favor. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.